Hello and a very warm welcome to this Master Investor monthly mashup at the beginning of June with myself, Sarah Lother, and Jonathan Davis, author, investor, podcaster, editor of the Investment Trust Handbook. Now, Jonathan, last time we were talking, the theme was sell in May and go away. However, I am sensing a difference um, on the corporate landscape. I've been really busy this week, despite the fact that there's been three long bank holiday weekends, more companies are wanting to talk, I'm reporting on more mergers and acquisitions news, I'm hosting more webinars. So I'm feeling that either the chief executives are talking the market up, or it is because the market is on the turn. What do you think? Well, I think it could be. Um, I hope it is. Uh, I'm not convinced that it is, but I think it might be. Uh, which is to say, another roundabout way of saying that I, as far as I can see, I think the uh, the signs are still, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty out there, and investors are still making up their minds. What you what you have, I think, identified is the fact that uh, corporate activity and M and A activity, uh, private equity activity, is picking up uh, as a direct result of what happened what's happened over the last eighteen months or so, which is you know the the sort of bear market and then recovery we've had. So I think there are so evidence that there's been some mispricing in the markets, let's put it that way, uh, in the eye of the beholder, at least. And so I think we will see some more M&A activity, particularly in the UK, which remains, you know, unloved and uh, pretty cheap on most traditional measures. So to that extent, I think uh, this is what we would hope to see if the market was about to turn. Um, I just think that the, uh, the the big the big macro picture on inflation and uh, interest rates and so on is still not uh, particularly rosy, but uh, there are opportunities clearly from uh, from uh, mispricing that's going on at the moment. So yesterday I hosted the Master Investor Gold webinar, and um, in fact there was loads of um, regimental officers online with me. I didn't know that the managing director, the chief executive and chairman of Condor Gold. He was a young officer in the Gurkha Regiment in the Himalayas. And our guest speaker, Charlie Morris, was in the Grenadier Guards. He's the founder of Bytetree.com, Bytetree Asset Management. And he was talking about gold. And he said that he feels as though gold's gone as, as high as it can go this year. And he sort of models gold as if it were a bit as if it behaved like a bond and he was talking about inflation and interest rates it, it, though he didn't paint a declining picture for gold he just doesn't think that we're going to see it go any higher this year yeah well fine enough i've known uh charlie morris for, for a long time for about 15 years i think i've been uh, talking to him he's a very good man um and he produces some excellent uh, material i have to say and he has this, as you say, he's got this um, developed this. Uh, he used to be a kind of strategic asset allocator for HSBC back in the day, uh, you know, big institutional uh, business. Uh, but he left to uh, start probing around in gold and more recently Bitcoin as well. He's a big advocate of Bitcoin as well. Uh, and he has developed this interesting theory that uh, if you combine gold and uh, Bitcoin together, uh, you'll get something which is uh, better than either of them. It gives you a more uh, a less volatile uh, return. Uh, again, I'm not entirely convinced by that, but he, Charlie's a charming fellow. And as you say, he's uh, he's very organized, as military men are. And uh, he's um, uh, I think it's an interesting idea. Uh, whether he's right on the markets. Well, again, another matter. I mean, we're all kind of probing away here, trying to trying to get a hang handle on 
what is an extraordinarily uh, volatile uh, period, lots of uncertainties. Um, I've been talking to a, a, um, a well-known kind of strategist called Russell Napier, who's at the kind of gloomier end of the perspective, I think it's fair to say, this week. Um, and he, uh, you know, he's worried about the huge accumulation of debt that's going on around the world and, and how a government's going to resolve that. I think that's a big issue for the, the kind of looking beyond the, me the immediate short term. That's the, the biggest issue, I think, facing us all uh, at the moment. And that was the cliffhanger that you left the previous podcast on, which was that the amount of debt that has been accumulated by the major economies in the world, the amount of debt would shape and define markets. So did he have any theory as to how debt could be diminished? It's unlikely it'll be eradicated. So what what does he think that governments can do? Right. Well, actually, he did talk about that at some length, and he's developed a, a kind of framework for, for talking about all this. Uh, he basically says there are five options. I won't go through them all, but uh, one of them is, you know, austerity, basically, uh, like we tried after the global financial crisis. In other words, a really hack back on government spending. Um, he doesn't think that's going to be very likely. It's not very popular ever with with uh, electorates. Um, his key point is that it is in the hands of the politicians. Uh, they are kind of effectively taking over the uh, determining what's going to happen next it's no longer just the central banks they are they are in his view uh, fairly impotent now they're just doing what they have to do but we're seeing other other ways that governments can deal with it um there could be a default you know default on debt but that's pretty unthinkable you wouldn't want the uh, the uk government to default on its debt that would be a, a kind of disaster scenario um we could hope for very high growth i mean that's the other the, the, the best way to get out of a debt problem is to have very high growth but we've we know that's not possible. I mean, even if you, we saw what happened with the trust government, that was uh, not credible. Um, but they were promising, you know, super high growth to get out of this uh, uh, straitjacket that we're all in because of uh, the amount of public and, and private debt. Uh, so that's not really an option either. And productivity remains very low. So we can't really expect um, uh, very high productivity uh, to feed through into very high economic growth. So that's probably not going to happen. Um, and that then leaves only two options, one of which is hyperinflation. In other words, you just let inflation rip and that destroys the real value of the debt. Uh, and that's you know been tried in a number of places, but not recommended. Uh, tends to be the kind of South American solution, if I can put it that way, without offending our South American listeners. Uh, and the final way is financial repression, which is really what we've got at the moment, which is, in other words, uh, keeping interest rates uh, below the rate of inflation and gradually, gradually, uh, reducing the the value of the debt uh, over time it's going to be a long haul rather like happened after the, the second world war when we had a huge amount of debt after the war uh, and his i think his view is that the most probable outcome is that's where we'll go but that implies there's going to be interest rates are going to be suppressed that will have other consequences um, inflation will remain probably above the two percent target uh, and so we'll just sort of grind through this period until until something turns up really not like a particularly positive prospectors, I have to say. Okay, you're sounding gloomy. Now, there's two reasons, three reasons for that. You're either gloomy, you've either got a cold coming on, or three, you've just got out of bed and you've got yeah. your sleep, sleepy voice on. But what should we do if markets well, are dull? Before, before we finish that, I mean, I should say, his view is that the answer to uh, to that is... You know, equity markets are still the answer to that problem. They're the least worst option, if you like. Uh, but it's got to be the right kind of equities. Uh, I think that was his point. It's got to be the right kind of equities. 
that means it's got to be you know quality companies those who've got pricing power those who've got uh, good balance sheets and so on all those traditional things he does think though that uh, in you know market indices uh, or you know etfs or index funds aren't going to do very well in this environment but that uh, if you have a you know the right kind of equities they're probably your least worst option uh, over time um, and he doesn't think uh, you know after the war it was interesting if you go back and look at that and what happened you know equities and um uh, property residential property were were the two best performing asset classes over that in that kind of period of financial repression uh another way of saying this is that you it's really anything except bonds that's really another way of saying it if you if you know after the war people who bought bonds uh government bonds thinking they were safe and so on they basically lost money in real terms over the next 30 years they've been a, it was absolutely disastrous investment and uh, uh he thinks we're into that kind of environment again is he right i mean that's a good question is he right i uh i have a sneaking suspicion that um he probably is right which is which is not necessarily gloomy it's just you know it, it says that there is a path through this there's always a path through these kind of uh horrible uh economic outlooks uh, but this one is going to be you know quite protracted uh, he thinks just because politicians and indeed electorates aren't going to buy uh as far as we can tell the really radical solutions like we had in the 80s with Volcker and Reagan and Thatcher you know I don't think people are ready for that yet anyway let's put it that way you need a real crisis before that's gonna that's gonna happen but the debt issue is there you know it's coming we can't get away from it okay so you're not being gloomy you're being realistic so aside from what I was gonna say I'm not I'm not being grumpy or gloomy I'm being I hope uh as positively optimistic as one can be in the circumstances <laughs> the voice the you know, as an old guy who's been around for a long time and tends you know naturally to deplore the state of the world as it is today but um, I think there are some real issues around this debt. I mean, the scale of it is just extraordinary. We've never seen anything like it uh, before, just as we've never seen interest rates go as low as they have gone uh, until you know we had the recent uh, rate hikes. These are these are historically unprecedented uh, circumstances. So, aside from taking that uh, the experts' advice to allocate quality equities into your portfolio what would you do jonathan when markets are dull right well markets are dull the best thing to do is probably um you know go away for a while and uh, come back later i mean there's some great stories about uh, you know people in america who uh, you know had a portfolio of uh, whatever it was they may have inherited it and they didn't they didn't know anything about it they were you know just typically these were either kind of retired people or or, uh, uh, or you know daughters of wealthy men had this money put it away come back in 25 years and find that actually they've done extraordinarily well uh, just by virtue of doing nothing so there is an argument for doing nothing you have your you know basic asset allocation uh, and you stick with it and uh, particularly this kind of climate trying to you know trying to um, get an edge in a period when you know there's so much uh, uncertainty about which path we're going down you know you're more likely to do damage than you are to do good so i think the answer is uh definitely um you know uh, i don't know read a few books i don't know study some history do something <laughs> do something um uh less frenetic than watching the markets go up and down every day um that won't always be the case there will be a signal soon that we're you know we need to maybe rack up our risk tolerance or cut it back again but um that would be my advice.
So go away, man, go away. I still think that's a good piece of advice. And in terms of me um, going away and doing something different, I think I would um, train to be a veterinary surgeon. I've spent a month's salary on my cat who I'm looking at now. She's been proper pooly. And I was looking at um, pets at home share price and it's um, doing pretty well. And I kind of understand now pets at home has got a veterinary section to it, but it's where you go to buy the food and the kibble, the treats, etc. And that share price is doing very well. And I was thinking, you know, more or less, I am a shareholder after spending a, a fortune on her, but she's a, she's a lot better. Or I suppose we could just become tourists. And, you know, if we can afford the, the petrol or the diesel, even though that's unpopular, we can just go and, I don't know, go to National Trust properties, Jonathan. <laughs> yes, you know that I've just done that. Um, I just say on the pet thing, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think COVID had a significant impact on, you know, people began to value their pets even more than before. And the numbers of pets, are, you know, is, are extraordinary. I think I didn't know how many until recently how many cats and dogs there were in this country but it's a hell of a lot anyway i mean there's 10 million cats or something like that i think something like that anyway um and i extraordinary we went to a pet shop the other day and uh extraordinary things you can buy in a pet shop i mean all these <laughs> i mean i don't know what what you've been doing but um uh, i managed to bypass some of them but you know bits of bits of birds you can find sort of frozen dry bits of bird that you wouldn't you know apparently a treat or sheep's bladders and things like that i mean well, quite extraordinary uh not to mention all the uh, you know all the kits you can buy the kind of clothes and another thing apparel you can buy for your animals quite extraordinary anyway um yes yeah, so national trust i went to a very interesting one the other day i went to a place called chastleton in which is in uh, oxfordshire uh oh no it's, uh, is it in oxfordshire no it's actually on the border of uh, warwickshire oxfordshire and gloucestershire right in the corner of the border and um really interesting i haven't been before uh it's uh it's an old it's an old kind of stately house i suppose you'd call it a small one a small stately house and the interest of it is uh is the fact that it was um, built by someone in the early 17th century uh by uh, a guy who made some money he was a lawyer i think um and then uh as they uh, as the as the lady of the house the last lady of the house before they sold it to the national trust said um that was as wealthy as that family ever became <laughs> that was from the first the guy who built it he was quite wealthy he'd made some money built this you know nice looking house um and then after that it was a tale of gradual impoverishment over over 300 or 400 years they gradually got poorer and poorer uh, poor people they picked the wrong side in the civil war that was a bad start um uh, which you know you didn't want to do that so um and then they had one or two um you know sons of the family who were who were as usual kind of indolent or extravagant and they threw away they lost some money and so gradually it went on and on until eventually it passed to a, a rather uh you know to a cousin uh, a rather eccentric uh, cousin who was a don at oxford university um and uh, they when they inherited it they took one look at it they thought oh my god what have we inherited here it's, everything was falling down the uh you know there were holes in the walls there were there were uh, but everything had been preserved all the kind of the family heirlooms that they'd been able to keep the pictures the, the furniture and so on was all kind of rotting away but it was all um still there and then that passed to the national trust and uh, they had, they couldn't afford to do anything to it and so the national trust took it on and then they decided rather interestingly to just leave it as it was rather than to restore it they said why don't we leave it as a kind of monument to the to what happened to you know wealthy families who didn't have the wherewithal or the nous or the luck to uh you know to preserve their wealth 
which of course is is what a lot of uh, descendants of uh, you know famous dukes and so on do today they just didn't have that now and so it's there and it's still very dusty but it's fascinating it really is fascinating it's a kind of you know shows you um, uh, a real life image of genteel decline so something different anyway yeah the, um, the cakes were good though the cakes weren't uh, 17th century they were they were they were quite nice <laughs> i think if i was to go i'd have to to take antihistamine tablets if it was very dusty but that reminds me of the folly that is my castle low the castle which doesn't have a roof um and that was you know t t tax evasion at its most base level but um where is that where is where is low the castle i think that's um the lake district louder right. i say lowther which apparently is the wrong way to say it everyone else calls me louder but it's lowther there you go gentility if you're going to have a building without a roof the lake district is probably not a good place to be i would think because it does have quite a lot of rain doesn't it i would have thought that's that would be your first uh, requirement really that's where my family, one of my family uh, ancestors came from, uh, from the Lake District as well. Did, you, did I tell you that before? No. They, uh, unfortunately, they, he, was, um, he, was, he was a coin clipper and a sheep thief, uh, among other, and a highwayman. So he was, uh, he was basically um, not a particularly <laughs> virtuous gentleman. Uh, and I think he met his, uh, he met his match with uh, Judge Jeffries, uh, who uh, he was, uh, I think he was hung. Oh no! There you are. It's a very sad you know, end. The family has been full of virtue ever since. Of course, I hasten to add. <laughs> I was going to say before you told me about the the criminal element to your family. I was going to say we were probably um, related, but I think um, we'll. Oh, uh... certainly, I would think. Oh, certainly, yeah. We should do <laughs> one of those uh, programs, you know, where you go back and they they study your ancestors, and you're, you're bound to find out you're related somehow. No, probably, don't... you know, my ancestor might have been married to your ancestor. Who knows? Oh, don't. Let's not go there. Be careful what you wish for. No, I wouldn't want to know. And with that, Jonathan, um, so we are approaching June very quickly. Do you anticipate that there will be vigorous action on the markets, equity markets, otherwise this coming month? Well, um, the answer is I don't think there will be. But uh, if we have a debt default in the US, of course, all the bets are off. The uh, federal government's meant to be running out of money on June the 1st, according to Janet Yellen. So if that was to happen, then, of course, that would be uh, quite quite a lively month. Uh, I think you see a lot of activity in the bond market. Um, the bond market is worth watching, though, because, as you've seen, the you know yields have gone up again. Uh, inflation figures from the in the UK were very poor. Uh, the ones that came out uh, yesterday um, and they, you know, it's, it may not be over yet. Inflation is is still not under control and uh, I'm not confident it will be under control for a while yet. Uh, and that may mean that the bond market remains, uh, you know, yields continue to uh, stay where they are. They certainly aren't coming down at the moment. So there could be some action in the bond market. Uh, equity market, well, not so sure. Many thanks. Jonathan, I look forward to catching you up in a month's time. Thank you very much. Take care. This podcast was brought to you by Master Investor. For more investment and economics analysis, please visit masterinvestor.co.uk.